Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 163 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about hiking with injuries. For most of us, we start out life reasonably fit and healthy, and as we get older, we start to collect various injuries and illnesses along the way. Now, in most cases, we aren't talking about major medical problems that are going to stop us from hiking altogether, but rather issues that may only be minor niggles, but either in isolation or in combination, these injuries can become more of an issue, making life just that bit more difficult. In addition to these pre-existing issues, we can also collect new ones along the way as we hike. And dealing with these injuries can be a real learning curve, but it's worthwhile being aware of what they are and how to best manage them. In this week's episode, we discuss key considerations for hiking with pre-existing injuries, as well as managing any new ones that you pick up along the trail. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so the first thing we want to look at is talking to a doctor or a medical professional. Now, in this instance here, if you are totally healthy, have no injuries, no no illnesses, probably not is going to be as major consideration. You'll be very lucky. You'll be very lucky, yeah. So for most of us, we all, we all of us have some form of injury or issue that's there. Uh, and as we said, some of them these might be fairly minor. Uh, but for a number of us, there are issues that can can be helped greatly by talking to a health professional. So the first person that's worthwhile talking to is your doctor, who's essentially your body's mechanic. Uh, and they can often come up with things or offer solutions that you may not even thought of. And they can also make recommendations for specialists if need be. Dietitians is the next one. And this might seem a bit of an odd one because really we're talking about injuries here. But on short hikes, you can get away with having a poor diet on a hike and just eat what you like. Uh, but from my perspective, if you're dealing with hikes of three weeks or longer, uh, having a poor diet can actually contribute to or impact on uh, injuries that you've collected along the way or pre-existing issues. So if you listen to episode 57 of the Australian Hiker podcast, uh, where we interview a dietitian. Uh, this will give you some clues about things that can be helped by having this conversation. Podiatrists are another one. Uh, and again, given that we are using our feet pretty much the entire time we're doing a hike, um, they can often be your best friend. So if you have underlying issues with your feet, uh, it's certainly worthwhile talking to a, podi to a podiatrist. I wasn't sure whether your best friend was your feet or your podiatrist, but... Um, I have stacks of uh, foot injuries or, or conditions, I guess, um, mostly. Um, bunions, uh, one particularly large one on, a, on my right foot, um, as well as I'm prone to um, blisters uh, between my toes. So lo lots of uh, things for a podiatrist to think about in that, in that area. 
And I think if you listen to episode 60 of the Australian ARCA podcast, again, we spend the entire episode learning more about your feet than you possibly ever wanted to know. <laughs> Physiotherapist is another one. Uh, now, for me, I do have a series of underlying issues, which I'll talk about in a little while. Uh, and physiotherapists can often be a good option for suggesting exercise and fitness regimes more so than even a a physical trainer or personal trainer uh, because they have the ability to assess uh, the underlying mechanical issues that may not seem so obvious. And last but not least, dentists. If you're planning on going on a multi-week hike or a multi-month hike, the last thing you want to have to deal with is a broken tooth or a severe large cavity. So I'll often go to a dentist uh, probably about a month before a hike and that allows enough time that if there has to be work done, normally there's enough, enough time to allow another interview or another, another examination or the, the, the issue to be resolved. Yeah, and it's also important to think about um, now that we can get back on planes, um, only to go locally but we can still get on a plane, um, sometimes tooth issues... Um, uh, aggravated by uh, changes in altitude and and cabin pressure and all of those sorts of things. So, um, a good checkup is uh, something to do before you go on any trip. But particularly if you're going to be flying there, um, and even if you're only going to be flying for a short distance. Now, these these list of medical professionals, you're probably not going to bother with. Uh, if you're just doing a two-kilometre hike, in, you know, in, uh, just behind, <laughs> oh, I don't know, just, I mean, just behind you know. your house. Although, again, if your medical conditions are as such that it may be required, but certainly, as I said, doing through hikes that are hundreds or even thousands of kilometres long, these are things that really need to come into play just to help set you up for success. Now, the next consideration is knowing your limits, and again, this is more about prevention rather than. Um, Uh, than cure, if you like, Uh, and everybody has their own physical limits. And if you have injuries, this can impact on what those limits are, but you need to know those limits. So things like logistical considerations, as an example, is how far can you comfortably walk in a single day? How far can you comfortably walk over multiple days? How fast can you comfortably walk? And how heavy a pack can you comfortably carry? And the, the common denominator amongst all those things is doing it in a comfortable manner. Now, typically when you're talking about hiking, it's a bit of a compromise in some respects. The faster you hike um, and the longer you hike, the more potential there is for injury to occur. Um, and sometimes you may choose to walk faster, but not as long on a given day, or you may choose to walk a bit slower and walk longer days, uh, but it's typically not doing both. Uh, But knowing what your abilities are, knowing how fast you walk, that's going to help with the planning process. It's also going to help for you to know that, uh, as an example, uh, you might have um, a limitation placed on you. Now, in my case, I know I can comfortably walk 32 kilometres in a day, day after day. I've I've, I've, I've done I've worked that out over a series of years but with that I also know that if I'm walking multiple days over 20 kilometers I will have problems with foot soreness and blisters 
and that requires me to tape my feet. So these are things or these are uh, uh, knowledge that I have about myself because I've gone through and tested my limits to see what the, what the limits are. And some of these have been learnt from the hikes themselves, some of these prior to hikes in testing what my abilities are. Yeah, and while um, even though I've got foot issues and, and Tim has to focus on his feet when um, he's doing those um, longer days, day in, day out, um, my issues tend to be around my knees and um, uh, I can't always tell which one it's going to be, but uh, one of them will definitely swell up at some point. <laughs> and that brings us on to our next, uh, next issue is knowing what your issues are. So um, everybody is an individual. They all have their own personal uh, impacts from injury or illness. And knowing what those are is certainly going to help you work out how to prevent them. So again, knowing what effects does hiking have on your body. So as Jill mentioned, her knees. Uh, knowing the impacts your injuries have on you. Um, knowing how to plan for those injuries both pre-hike and on the trail. So as I mentioned, in my case, it's um, you know, if I do a certain distance, blisters can become an issue, and particularly at the start of a hike, I need to plan for that. And in the case of long-distance hikes, I will plan on taping my feet, uh, particularly in the first week of the hike, until my feet have toughened up. Um, on the human hovel track trip in 2019, I had knee issues that had occurred uh, that was something that I'd never had an issue with before, um, and at that stage, it was enough to get me off trail. Uh, but having gone through and talked to a medical professional, having gone through and worked out what I need to do, I'm preparing for that and doing the, doing the best I can in my preparation phase to minimise having any problems with that. Um, if you go into a hike with pre-existing injuries, Knowing these answers will, will make it much easier to deal with them when things do occur on the trail, but it's not going to be able to help you resolve issues like my knee issue that occurred uh, when it had never happened before. Um, but knowing what brings it on is something you can actually go through and consider. Next consideration is being prepared. Now, I'll use as an example here the Overland Track in Tasmania. This is probably Australia's most popular long-distance hike, roughly around about 65 kilometres if you just do the designated hike itself. Uh, on average, there are around about 9,000 people a year that do this walk, and this is probably the most popular longer-distance hike in Australia. Uh, and certainly from my perspective, when I've talked to hikers about what their hikes they want to do, the Overland Track is either the top of the list or one of the ones that's very close to the list. Um, and if you go through and read the website uh, and the information from the parks in Tasmania, it almost appears like you're going to die when you do this hike. Um, they're, they're very heavy on the information. They're very heavy on the recommendations. Uh, they really do go through and um, provide a huge amount of information, more so than any other hiking uh, track site in Australia. And the reason for that is because so many people do this hike, uh, and I've talked to a number of hikers where this is the first hike they've ever done an overnight camp on. Uh, it's the first multi-day hike they've done. Uh, 
Um, or it, it potentially, I've talked to a number of people, this is the first hike apart from just a couple of kilometres around the neighbourhood they've ever done. So in a lot of cases, people tend to do this hike underprepared. Um, so the park's website really caters for saying, here's all the things you need to consider. Uh, think about these things. Make sure you're prepared as far as you possibly can. Um, and as part of this, having the appropriate first aid qualifications, even just a basic first aid qualification will be fine. Uh, so knowing what to do if you do have an injury or an issue on the trail is going to make uh, your planning phase and your uh, your actual walking component a much better, enjoyable sort of trip. I think also the preparation is to have the bits and pieces you need to solve some basic problems on the trail as well, so be prepared in that sense. Um, so, you know, I think uh, pe- people who... Uh, get a lot of blisters, sometimes forget to carry treatment for blisters, something as basic as Band-Aids. And I know that we've been on hikes and uh, there's been this mass uh, sort of sharing (laughs) of Band-Aids when somebody has an issue. Um, And, you know, fortunately we we haven't needed them and others haven't needed them, but uh, certainly... Um, when you start to talk to people and then they do say, oh, yeah, I'm a bit prone to uh, getting blisters, but they haven't brought anything that would help them if that was the case. Now, dealing with injuries during the trail is our next consideration, and and Jill's already mentioned blisters, um, and we do have a a written article on learning how to prevent blisters, uh, which will be of help. But this is probably one of the most common hiking, and it's – it is an injury. You, you know, you are actually damaging your skin and damaging your skin layers, um, but it's something that all hikers will have to deal with. And for me, on my long-distance hikes, I have a pattern to how blisters occur. It, it always occurs on my left small toe without fail because that's my bigger foot and that's the foot that's closest to the edge of the shoe and has less movement. So I know that I have to actually tape that particular toe. I know when doing long-distance hikes, when I'm doing 20-plus kilometres a day, I do need to uh, tape my feet. Um, So these are all things that, again, you'll have, as an individual, you'll have blisters that will often occur in a particular area or a particular part of the foot, and knowing that and knowing how to deal with it will make your your journey much more enjoyable. Yeah, and, you know, you don't necessarily have to do something special. I mean, I wear... Uh, toe socks, um, and it has reduced uh, incidence of blisters around my toes unbelievably. Like it's pretty amazing. There you go. That's a that's a great recommendation. Sunburns, another one we need to know how to deal with. And again, growing up in Australia, most Australians are sun uh, savvy, I suppose. Uh, they know what they need to do, but they don't necessarily always do it. The other problem. So wearing things like a hat, wearing sunglasses, wearing long sleeves and long pants, although talking to American hikers, um, one of the strange things we as Australians do is hike in shorts and long gaiters. Uh, Americans don't quite understand that. And I must admit, this is something that I can't quite understand either. (laughs) Having having that sort of six-inch gap between the bottom of your shorts and the top of your gaiters just seems strange to me. Well, it depends how tall you are and how long your shorts are. Yeah. Is that? Um, But, I mean, 
being, you know, for me, I wear long sleeves and long pants, um, and that way uh, I minimise the sun exposure. Um, one of the biggest areas that people will often forget is the hands. If you're using hiking poles, uh, your the top of your hands tend to be exposed to the sunlight, uh, and particularly in the Australian alpine areas where the sun's a lot stronger, getting sunburn on the backs of your hands can be an issue. Yeah. So you know you're either going to have to use things like sunscreen where feasible, uh, or uh, fingerless. Uh, lycra gloves is something that that are available from some of the stores in Australia uh, that minimise that impact, particularly on the backs of the hands. Scrapes and abrasions is another one uh, where in an environment where you you can trip, you can fall, you can scrape yourself against rocks or or trees. Um, In itself, it's not a major issue, uh, but because we're in an environment where it's a bit dirtier, the hygiene's not potentially as good as, a, as when you're at home, um, you know, keeping the cuts and scrapes cleaned uh, to prevent infections is probably something to keep a, keep a mind open about. Knee pain, which Jill and I have both mentioned. Um, now, knee pain is probably one of the most common complaints that hikers have. Uh, and for me, it's always been an issue in the past going downhill uh, going uphill, not a problem at all. Um, the issue that I had with knee pain on my human hovel track hike was lack of physical preparation. Now, we've talked about preparation just earlier. Um, when I did my first long-distance hike, I was so paranoid about not being able to do it, I prepared to the nth degree. I was physically prepared. I was mentally prepared. You weren't obsessive in the planning, Tim, were you? (laughs) Um, And and as a result, I didn't have any physical injuries on that hike. On the human hovel track, I think a bit of uh, complacency set in. I didn't do as much preparation as I normally should have done. And as a result, I paid the price on that one. I thought I paid the price on that one. (laughs) uh, So, you know, being being... prepared about things you know are happening, um, doing the preparation. Uh, And again, it's been hard to prepare for something you're not aware of, uh, but doing the physical preparation is certainly going to be the thing that goes through and helps. Certainly, depending on what the cause of the problem is, there are a number of shorter-term fixes, and that includes things like using tracking poles, reducing the pack weight is certainly going to help, and reducing your body weight as well. Now, for me, I know from personal experience, my ideal hiking weight is 93 kilos. I'm currently sitting about 12 kilos heavier uh, than I like to be. Oh, my God. Um, usually, I will start a hike about five kilos heavy just to give me a bit of, uh, bit of leeway to work with. It means I've got about seven kilos to lose between now uh, and mid-November from when I start my next hike um, to make sure that minimise my extra weight is is not going to cause an impact on my knees and my body uh, because carrying extra body weight can make a difference. Twisted ankles or sprained ankles. Now, again, if you are a person that has weak ankles as a general uh, thing, and some people will know their ankles are a bit weak, having or using footwear that is going to support your ankles Uh, is something to consider. Um, Now, if a a twisted or sprained ankle occurs on the trail, um, sometimes it may mean you need to take a day or a couple of days off. 
Um, but if it's serious enough or you've broken your ankle, generally that's going to mean time to finish the hike. Um, and it's surprising the number of um, emergency collections that people have, particularly on the overland track. That's one of the most common causes where people have to be evacuated because they're not able to walk out uh, and they have to be evacuated by helicopter or um, and in most cases, the, the tracks are so remote, they're, they're left with no other option but to get a helicopter in there. Uh, but it may mean that you can uh, have to get someone to drive in if the track allows that to happen. Chafing's another one, uh, and it's not something I've had to deal with or Jill and I have had to deal with. Um, well, we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, but this can be a problem for some hikers. Uh, and it's usually in your groin or buttock area. Uh, and this is something that can be remedied by choosing appropriate clothing, including appropriate underwear, um, using products such as, as Body Glide, which is aimed at uh, runners, uh, but can help uh, prevent chafing. Um, and it's often, this is often a problem if you sweat a lot, particularly if you're carrying excess body weight. So um, if you're prone to chafing um, uh, at the best of times, uh, come prepared to deal with that and try and do either by closing, clothing or using things like body glide to help minimise the impact. It's not something you really want to talk about with most people, but again, <laughs> it, it's something that you know, if you've got problems with chafing, it's uncomfortable, it's painful, and it's just going to minimise your enjoyment of your hike. Now, last but not least... Work out when it's time to quit. And this is something that can be tough um, to decide when that is, but sometimes you can work through an injury or walk through an injury, and sometimes you can't. Think about what the decision point is for calling it quits, and don't be afraid to pull the pin on a hike. If you're injured seriously enough, sometimes it can make hiking or continuing a hike that much worse or make the injury worse. So decide when the, the time to call it quits is. And if it's a pre-existing injury, it's something you should think about before you go on the hike. If it's something that you develop on the hike, think about how bad it needs to be for you to call it quits. And that was a decision that I had to make on the human hovel track. Um, I could have kept on going, uh, but it was uh, at that stage, I wasn't aware of what the problem was. Uh, and I didn't want to make the injury or, or potentially make the injury worse. Um, uh, and, you know, it wasn't until I talked to a medical professional to work out what the issue was um, that, you know, it, it made it easier to say, right, now I know what it is and now I know what I can do about it. But at that, that stage on the trail, I wasn't aware of what the problem was. You know, this really surprises me because um, I think I've said before that I was – I felt I was dragging you up every hill and uh, we were in a bit of denial, I think, Tim, uh, that there was even a problem, let alone what the problem was. And um, uh, I'm not sure if I've said this before, but I actually um, arranged the pickup the day before uh, Tim decided it was time to call it quits. So I figured that by the following day that would be it. And I'd already texted our niece and asked very politely if there was uh, something that she had to do the following day and uh, she might be needed. 
So, yeah, you go with your story, Tim. <laughs> okay, so just as a final, um, a final discussion point on that, I mean, hopefully everyone will be able to go through their life without having an injury or an illness worry to, to think about, but... Um, we live in the real world and most of us do have at least some issues, even if they're just temporary ones we have to, to, to deal with. Uh, and knowing how to recognise those issues and how to manage them um, um, requires a bit of effort sometimes, but it pays off in the long term. As someone who has a series of compounding issues running the length of my body from my shoulders down through my hip, um, in through my calf, um, I have to know what those issues are and how I manage them. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yeah, you're just such a broken man, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the point because, you know, some of these things in isolation are not so big, um, but when you add them up and, you, you know, if you've been living a life, if you, you know, relatively... Um, active, um, things will happen and you will trip and knock yourself and, you know, walk too much or sprain something and it's just part of living and part of life and sometimes they stay with you as a reminder of, you know, some maybe even some of the silly things that you've done. <laughs> yeah, so in my case, most of my injuries, but not all, have been caused by stupidity in a younger time in my life, doing things and pushing myself too hard, um, knowing not stopping when I should have. Uh, and, and now I'm left with a series of compounding injuries uh, that um, some of them an operation may fix, others are just there's nothing I can just do about them, I've just got to live with them. Uh, but as a result, I've had to learn how to manage those um, and it's forced me to maintain a high degree of fitness uh, to manage all those injuries. So I think, as I said, overall, uh, each of us is an individual. Each of us has our own cross to bear in relation to our injuries uh, and knowing how to manage those is going to make your hiking experience that much more comfortable. Just as a final point, we get an awful lot of positive feedback about what we do with Australian Hiker and uh, how we do it and the guidance and the information that, that people access through the site. Um, it does require a bit of effort and uh, a, a, a bit of dedication on our part. And if you would like to support us and help us continue to provide all of those things uh, that you enjoy, um, the, the articles, uh, the listening to the podcast and so on. So there's an opportunity you have now to support us uh, by going to the Australian Hiker website and clicking on the Support Us page. And what we're essentially doing is asking you to buy us a cup of coffee. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows I like my coffee. <laughs> okay, that's all for this week's episode. In next week's episode, to be released next Wednesday, uh, we're going to be talking about hiking with disabilities. And we've got an interview that we think you'll find interesting. That's all for this week. Bye for now. And bye from me.
Um, as someone who has a series of compounding issues that run from my shoulders down the length of my bodies, um, so it means I've got seven kilometers. In this week's podcast, we discuss key considerations for hyping. In this week's podcast, we discuss key considerations for hiking with pre-existing injuries, uh, as well as managing any new ones we pickle up. Pickle up. <laughs>